May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Everyone has difficulties. <laughs> if you think that you're the only one with problems, you're wrong. You're not. Everybody has them. Small children. Small children have little crises in their lives. Um, Maybe they're not as big as our crises, but they're as big to them as ours are to us, right? Uh, a, a little child wants a cookie, thinks about a cookie, longs for that cookie, goes to his or her mother with their very best manners. You know, mother, may I please have a cookie? And mother has the audacity to say no. No to that, that simple, desperate request. And it's, it's, a, it's a crushing disappointment. So crushing that tears begin to be shed, right? Just a cookie. I just want a cookie. Do you know how desperate I am for a cookie? And so little Madison or Tiffany or Tyler or whatever begins to cry because the thought of not getting a cookie is more devastating than they possibly could have imagined. They actually begin to cry, shed real tears. And I know it's only a cookie. They'll get over it, right? I mean, this will pass. In fact, it's good to hear the word no on occasion, right? They, they kind of get over it. If you said yes to every cookie, I mean, in every crocodile tear, my lands, think of the child that you would have on your hands. But to little Madison or Tiffany or Tyler or whatever, it's still a big deal. It's still a crushing disappointment. Parents. Now, there's a group of people with some real difficulties, I want to tell you. You know, um, they have, first of all, all the Madisons and Tiffany's and Tyler's who always want cookies, and they have to say no to them, right? And then, and then there's things like bills and groceries and schedules. Oh, the schedules. You know, the driving uh, to and fro. Uh, parents long for their children's 16th birthday even more than the children long for it. You know, this is a great day in the life where there's one less place to go. Um, you know, there's all the other things that go on, decisions that have to be made. Shall I permit this or that? Daily problem solving. How does Batman's cape go back on after all? You know, trying to fix that thing and put it back on. The arguments that ensue. The, um, the Supreme Court sort of decisions that have to be made from the kitchen, you know, where, where rulings have to be made and decisions have to stand. Teenagers. There's a group with some problems, right? I mean, they have all the issues that kind of go along with, with being a teen. you got all the relationship issues. I mean, there are the friendship issues and then the romantic issues. I mean, those are all kind of have to be juggled around. And did you hear who broke up with who? And, and you know, I mean, these are big deals. And uh, there are sports team issues, you know, coaches that are making demands and popularity polls, teachers who will assign homework over the weekend. I know, right? Like, like you have nothing else to do on your entire weekend but homework. Life choices to make. Big decisions. Things that have to be decided. It's not easy to be a teenager. Senior adults. Now, there's another group with some issues, right? The rising cost of everything. The financial realities of retirement. One's body begins to hurt in places you never knew existed. You wake up one morning and realize that you injured your back in your sleep. You know, <laughs> when, when a night's rest causes you an injury, you know, there's, there's a problem right there, right? Your annual physical now takes place six times a year. Um, you have, uh, 
You have a medicine cabinet that's filling up with actual medicine. Um, you have adult children who come to you and whine about their children who complain about not getting cookies and teenagers who complain about their parents who are intolerable and little toddlers who just want one more cookie. And then you have all those problems, right? That I don't care who you are. There's some difficulty that you face, some 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 hardship, some some problem. And these are just run-of-the-mill, work-a-day world sort of problems. These aren't the families with a three-year-old with leukemia kind of problems. Those problems exist, too, in this world in which we live. You know, think about a mother or a father who has to struggle just to find a parking place and trudge through snow to get to children's hospital to wait on a doctor to come out with some report. Too many families face stuff like that every day. And then lesser degree. Teenagers whose parents tell them something about an upcoming divorce and and they worry about things like where will I live and where will I go to school and why can't you guys work this thing out? Or a mother or father who goes into work one day and the boss says I need to speak to you. Something about cutbacks and downsizing and I wish there was something I could do. And everybody faces some sort of difficulty sometimes some sort of hardship. Sometimes the problems seem like they're really big and sometimes they're exasperating and overwhelming. Now imagine this fellow Philip. I think this is the way he felt. I think he felt like he had a problem on his hands that was bigger than he could handle. You have to see the scene. There are 5,000 men, 5,000 men on a hillside in Galilee. I mean, this is a big group of people. 5,000. A small town is 5,000 people, right? There are 5,000 men on a hillside in Galilee, and they're not just hanging out, ambling about. You know, nothing better to do on a Saturday afternoon. You know, the, the golf course was closed in town. No, none of that. These are men who are ready to go to war. They have been overwhelmed by Roman occupation. They, they're ready to fight. They want to form an army. The only problem is they have no weaponry. They have no real skills for for, uh, fighting. They have um, little food and no training and absolutely no leadership. Other than that, they're ready to go to war. The only thing they have is this sort of nationalistic fervor and this frustration with being occupied by a foreign country. Into this situation, there's this man, Philip. And Jesus says to this man, Philip, Say, Philip, where can we go buy some food for these guys because they've had nothing to eat? They've been out here all day. Philip grew up in a small town called Bethsaida, just a few miles from where they were. And so it was sort of natural that he would be called upon. But I want you to think about, I know you're already way ahead of me, 5,000 men. Jesus says to Philip, hey, where's there a store around here where we could go buy some bread for these guys to eat? Can you imagine the sort of store that would have the amount of food to feed 5,000 men? I mean, we're talking about like a, a Costco or a Sam's, right? We, we, don't, we don't just need like a little corner market. We need something that can feed 5,000 people. They didn't have Costco's and Sam's in the ancient world, in case you're wondering. There was no place. Where can we go buy this much? There's not a place in the world where you could buy that much food. These people needed to come prepared. There's nowhere to go. There's no store where we could buy this stuff. And even if there were, there's another problem you already got there too, haven't you? It would cost a lot of money to feed 5,000 people. 
I mean a lot of money. Suppose, just for, just for kind of fun's sake, you're going to throw a little lunch party. I don't know, half a dozen, eight people, right? You're going to make um, some nice sandwiches, I don't know, something nice, a salad, you know, a nice, a nice light white wine, something like that. You're going to invite some of your friends and your priest, um, and they're all going to come over, and um, it's going to be a lovely afternoon, and, you know, you're going to sit outside maybe. How much do you think that little luncheon would set you back, you know? $10 a person, maybe 20 depending. You could drop $100 on your friends, couldn't you? It's not a problem. It's not a big deal. But let me up the ante, just for, just for a, a kind of fun sake. Suppose that you wanted to throw a lunch for everybody that went to church in Hudson on any given Sunday. You're going to have it at a park, you know, and, and you're going to put it together. You know, you're going to, you're going to box lunches. You're going to have a sandwich and, and, you know, a little vegetable, a, a cookie, for heaven's sakes, a, a Coke, perhaps, a bag of chips, something like that. And let's say you got a really good deal on it, and you got these little lunches for, I don't know, $5. And let's suppose that on your little day where you're going to throw a lunch for everybody who went to church in Hudson on any given Sunday, only 5,000 people on that Sunday showed up. You know, at St. Mary's and Christ Community and here at Holy Trinity and Hudson Prez and all the churches, you know, they're all going to converge, these 5,000 people, on a park. I don't know what park, I don't know where we can house it, but just for the sake of argument, they all did. How much would that lunch set you back? You've already done the math. $25,000 you're going to drop on a lunch. Now that's a, Jesus says to his friends who have left their jobs, they have no regular income. Let's just say that they have $2 a piece to their name. They have $26. Let's go buy lunch for this group of people. Philip, Philip is exasperated. We don't have $25,000. We've got, we've got $26. Well, $22. Somebody took some money out of the pot. I don't know who. Probably Judas. There's some, some we, who's the we? There's, you got a rich mouse in your pocket? There's no store that has this much food. And even if there was, we have, there's no money. Philip says, this would take six months wages. What he actually says is this would take 200 denarii, but the translators figured that most people don't know what a denarius was, and so why even say that? Let's just put six months' wages in. It's actually a little bit more. It's almost seven months' wages. Um, it, it's one denarius a day would be an average worker's salary. It would, take, it would take seven months' wages to feed them lunch. I went and just did a little checking on... On, uh, you know, like the uh, the statistics for the U.S., the Social Security Administration says that the average U.S. work index is, is just under $45,000 per person in the country. Seven-month salary, $25,000. Wasn't far off of my little calculations there, right? Philip says, we don't have that much money. And Andrew butts in. He, he's going to help. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says to Jesus, there's a boy over here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so, so many people? We don't have enough money to feed these people. We've got a nickel. <laughs> Anybody want to use a nickel? I mean, it, it's the point is, look at the absurdity. Look at, look at the problem and this is our resource. We don't have enough. Five barley loaves. They're like, they're like little round biscuits. 
just tiny, and they're, they're kind of burnt to a crisp. You know, they're really blackened on the outside. And, and the fish, the word for fish, is, is little small fish, like, like little Kemper snacks or, or little sardines. These aren't even like regular fish. This is like a tiny little lunch. These are little boy kind of lunch. And there's a panic. There's a panic among the disciples. Why don't you do the honorable thing? Send these people away. There's too many people. There's too great of a need. We can't feed them all. We don't have any other resources necessary to do that. Just send them on. Let me just pause here for just a second and jump to the next story. Okay? The next story is Jesus, um, he, he, uh, uh, after the field, scene in, in the field, he, um, he disappears. He vanishes, puts his hood up, kind of gets down through the crowd. And John says he goes up to the mountain. Disciples are looking around. They can't find him. And so they decide there's time for them to leave too. And so they go down to the lake. Jesus goes up. They go down. He, um, he, they, the disciples get in a boat and they start crossing the sea. And what happens? You know what always happens when the disciples get in a boat and they start crossing the sea. It's always the same story, isn't it? It gets dark. The wind starts blowing. A storm causes up. It, it's, it's coming over the sides. They're rowing. John says three or four miles. One time a few years ago... Um, uh, my family was at Lake Saranac in New York, and we were out in a little rowboat, and we were going to row to the other side of the lake, okay? It's not a very big lake. I mean, I don't know. It's not a mile. It's, it's I don't know, maybe a half a mile. Something like, it's, it's a pretty small distance. Um, one of the oars broke <laughs> as we were going from one side to the other. And so, like, one person had to get in the front of the boat and, like, try to do the rowing and and maybe another person got like the half oar and they were complaining um and it was it was a it was a disaster and it was a beautiful calm day imagine these men rowing against a storm three or four miles why are they doing this because they're terrified that's why they're frightened they see the problem. The problem is this huge storm, and they're certain that they're doomed. You see, in both stories, it's the same issue. There is a massive problem, and the resources they think they have are not adequate to meet the problem. What good is a nickel when you've got 5,000 people to feed? Well, it's more than enough, isn't it? What happened in the story? Jesus feeds everybody by these five little loaves and these two little fish. And how much was left over? Did anybody remember? Twelve baskets full. How many disciples are there? Yeah. I can see each of them carrying a basket, can't you? And where do they carry the baskets? You know, they carried them. I think they carried them down to the boat. In my mind's eye, I see the disciples kind of in this boat with 12 baskets of leftover fish and barley loaves, you know, all seated between them, and they're, and they're rowing, and they're terrified. And we have no resources to meet our need in this storm. And here are these reminders that, yes, you do. You've got all that you need. When will we ever learn? People who walk with Jesus himself didn't learn this lesson. And so it's no no odd thing that we don't either. That we often see the problem and feel like we don't have resources when we do. Did you hear the lesson from St. Paul today? This, 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 um, this prayer that Paul prays. Uh, I pray that God, according to the riches of his glory, may grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. Get your head around. Understand this. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God. Oh, get your head around. You get the dimensions, the width, and the length, and the breadth, and the height. I think I got all those in there. It's this big... Can you imagine the, um, the enormity of God's love? I want you to understand just how much you have in terms of resources. Don't live like a pauper when you belong to the king. Don't live that way. And I don't mean this in terms of dollars and cents, and you know that. This is not about, you know, those people on television who tell you, you know, that if you send money to them, that, you know, they'll pray for you and God will give you everything that you want. No, that's nonsense. No, I'm not talking about that. It's, it, it, it's utter nonsense. You know, it's not about homes and automobiles and that sort of stuff, but about, about God meeting legitimate needs. That He comes and, and restores it. And yes, of course. There are times where it's going to seem like that God has ignored you. Where someone does suffer from illness, someone does pass away. A meal is missed. But even in those times, it's not that God's love is, has gone beyond you. It's just simply the fact that, that His ways are not our ways. And God is not a genie in a bottle. In the 19th century, there was this man, his name was um, George Mueller, 1800s, lived in England. He determined he was going to open orphanages for children. There was a huge orphanage, uh, orphan problem in, in England in the 19th century. And Mueller decided that, um, that he was going to go after it. He was going to combat this problem. And so he opened up these, these homes for orphans. Um, and he decided early on that he was going to do two things. He was never going to ask for money from anybody. If they gave, they gave because God had directed them to give. And the second thing he was never going to do is he was never going to incur debt for his ministry. So he'd never borrow money and never ask for money. He would only ask God to deliver whatever he needed. And there are these fantastic stories about Mueller and, and his, his life of faith and, and the prayers that were answered. But I want to read one of the more famous ones. One morning, the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the pantry and there was no money to buy food. The children were standing waiting for their morning meal when Mueller said to them, Children... You know, we must be in time for school. Lifting his head, he said, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. Suddenly there was a knock at the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt that you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and here I've brought it. Mueller thanked the man, closed the door. And no sooner had this transpired than there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. He would like to give children his cans of fresh milk so they could empty his wagon and repair it. Stands around a table with plates that are empty, no food in the pantry. And he says, Father, we thank you for what you're about to give us. And in minutes, food is delivered. Minutes later, milk is delivered. And the children were off in time to get to school. Now, you know what? Mueller faced problems just like everybody else did. He outlived two wives, several children. He buried two young children who died from pneumonia. But he knew this. Here's what he knew. He knew that the size of the problem was nothing in comparison with the adequacy of his resources. Mueller understood 
that the size of the problem was nothing compared to the adequacy of his resources. Oh, that we would learn that lesson as well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.